Hey folks, Andy Patton here to review, or excuse me, preview Gonzaga's game against the LMU Lions on Thursday night. Also going to answer a leftover mailbag question comparing this year's team to last year's squad and make some WCC predictions for the rest of the week, all right here on the Locked On Zags podcast. Don't go away. You are Locked On Zags, your daily podcast on the Gonzaga Bulldogs. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team, every day. What is going on, y'all? Welcome to the Locked On Zags Podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team, every day. I am your host and longtime Gonzaga podcaster, Andy Patton, ready to take you through another season of Gonzaga Hoops. I want to thank all of you who make this podcast your first listen of the day. It is wonderful to be a part of your routine. I sincerely appreciate those of you who listen to the show on runs or on your way to work or on your way back from work, whatever your routine may be. I am thrilled that Locked on Zags is a part of it. And of course, those of you who check the show out on YouTube, one of the fastest growing YouTube shows on the Locked on Podcast Network. Thank you. So much to all of you who have hit that subscribe button. If you have not yet, very simple. Go to youtube.com, search Locked on Zags. There's a fancy new homepage. All of the episodes are organized by playlists. You can see all the mailbag episodes, all the Andy Locks episodes, episodes about recruiting, episodes with guests, all of it organized for you all. Great hub for Gonzaga content. Check it out if you have not already. All right, today we are previewing Gonzaga's opponent on Thursday, the Lions of LMU, a team that many people expected to be right in that conversation for top five in the conference. I think it was generally accepted that Gonzaga, St. Mary's, BYU, who are always near the top of the standings for the WCC, would also potentially be have San Francisco in there. Of course, that has come true very obviously. They have been extremely good this year, right on par with those other two teams. And then Santa Clara and LMU were kind of the next wave of teams right in that group. Up to this point, Santa Clara has really separated themselves, uh, making it a pretty clear... There's really a, a clear top four, and then there's a clear top five with Santa Clara. And then after that, it gets a bit of a jumbled mess. And part of that is because the hype about LMU coming into the season has more or less completely died out. They were 13-9 and last year, the first year under coach Stan Johnson for LMU. And then this year they returned 82% of their scoring and minutes from last year's team. So to go 13-9, and have a successful first year under a new head coach, and then bring back almost everybody, you can understand why there was some optimism that this team would at least challenge for a top five spot or potentially be a little bit closer uh, to the big big four or big three in this conference. Uh, unfortunately, just hasn't happened uh, for Stan Johnson and the squad. Uh, they're nine and eight on the year. Uh, they basically have beaten the good team, or excuse me, have beaten the bad teams that they have played and lost to the good teams or at least better teams than them that they have played. It has been a remarkably consistent schedule for LMU. Unfortunately, they needed to be a little bit better than exactly average in order to make some noise in the conference. Uh, they have losses to New Mexico State, Grand Canyon, Florida State. They got pounded by the Seminoles, I think it was 71-45 to 45 in that game. Lost to St. Mary's, lost to San Francisco, lost to Nevada. All teams that 
aren't exactly surprise losses. They played a pretty decent non-conference schedule. Of course, Florida State is a good team, and New Mexico State, Grand Canyon are the best of the whack. Nevada's a good, solid Mountain West team. So not terribly surprising, but you'd like to see them sneak one or two of those wins, particularly against the WAC schools, or maybe be one of the many WCC teams that pulled off an upset over a Mountain West school like Nevada. I think Nevada has four losses to the WCC, at least three losses to the WCC this year, but LMU was not one of them. Unfortunately for the Lions, they just don't really have any good wins. They have one decent win against SMU. They're the number 65 ranked team in the country, according to Ken Palm. That is their only win in the top 100, and their only other win in the top 200 per Ken Palm is Tulsa, who is 141st. So they basically have not beat anybody good. It makes it hard to kind of gauge where this team is actually at. They're not beating good teams, but they're not really losing to bad teams. So it, they kind of just reside right in the middle. A 9-8 and eight record. I think they're, they're 151st in Ken Palm. So they're pretty much exactly average in the NCAA. They're 145th in offense, according to Ken Palm. 173rd in defense. So again, average on offense. Average on defense. 9-8 and eight record is average. They're just... They're just average. That's kind of where they reside. Uh, they do, when looking at some of their statistical stuff, one thing that jumps out, they turn the ball over a lot. They're averaging 15.6 turnovers per game, which is 15th in the country. If Gonzaga puts pressure on them, they should get the ball back a lot. There should be a lot of fast break opportunities, a lot of points off turnovers, uh, that's a great opportunity for Gonzaga to get out and run. Of course, we love that. It's always fun to see Rasir Bolton and the rest of the squad just getting out in transition. So I expect to see a lot of turnovers, assuming Gonzaga is able to put some serious pressure on LMU's guards. Uh, they're not a very good outside shooting team. This is something that Gonzaga has kind of waffled on their ability to defend the perimeter. We saw them have some really good games locking down the outside shooting. We've seen them have some very bad games doing that, notably the Alabama game, a team that has now continued to lose and make Gonzaga's loss to them look worse. They lost to Georgia last night. Shout out Aaron Cook, his old squad or an old Gonzaga member on his new squad at Georgia pulling off a big victory over the Crimson Tide. Regardless, LMU 32.7% three-point shooting team, so not really going to kill you from out there. Uh, Everything revolves through Eli Scott on this team. Eli Scott, I believe, is in his fifth year at LMU. He has been around for a very long time, extremely talented forward. He's 6'6", but they kind of play him in like this small ball four, almost small ball five role. Uh, He's utilized somewhat similarly to Draymond Green, where they come down the floor, they get him the basketball, everything sort of runs through him. He's averaging 16.7 points, 6.6 rebounds, again, uh, for a 6'6 guy, 6.5 rebounds, really good. Uh, He's a great offensive rebounder. He's averaging over about 2.5 offensive rebounds per game. That's probably going to be a little bit trickier against Chet Holmgren and Drew Timmy, guys who are bigger than most of the players that they have played so far this season, but don't be surprised to see him aggressively crashing the offensive glass. He's also averaging 3.5 assists per game. Just a really talented, well-rounded player. LMU always has talent on their roster. They've always had some of the better non-Gonzaga BYU players in the conference. That's been pretty consistent for this program. 
for a very long time. They unfortunately haven't turned it into a lot of success on the actual court, but Eli Scott is kind of the next in the long line of really talented young players on this team. And then they have Joe Quintana, and Joe Quintana can straight up shoot it. I mentioned that this team is not a great outside shooting team, but he is the exception. He's the only player you really need to watch on the perimeter. He is taking seven three-pointers per game, so he is not afraid to shoot the rock. And why would he be? He's making them 42.5% of the time, so he is a player to watch on the perimeter. Somewhat similar to like a Keyshawn Justice from Santa Clara, a guy who doesn't do a ton else offensively, but lights it up from beyond the arc, uh, and that's obviously very valuable for them. Overall, not a team that I think is going to give Gonzaga a ton of trouble. They're not good defensively. They're average offensively. A lot of what Eli Scott does will likely be mitigated by the size of Chet Holmgren, of Drew Timmy, of Anton Watson. So I think that they're going to struggle to to put the ball on the hoop. I think Quintana would have to have a career night for this game to stay somewhat close. Uh, They also lost Damian Douglas. Uh, He is injured. He's their third leading scorer, one of their better players. Uh, He's not going to play in this game. So that is a big bummer for them. Uh, Obviously a player who would have had an impact on this game had he been able to play. So I don't think this will be one of Gonzaga's tougher conference games. I think LMU has been a disappointment this season uh, in terms of how good people thought they would be coming into the year. Uh, Still got some talented players. uh, Still had an opportunity to potentially rebuild after this, but this is not the year for the Lions. All right, we're going to come back in the second segment and talk about a leftover Mailbag Monday question that I did not get to, comparing last year's team to this year's team and talking about what their NCAA tournament experience could look like and what differences we might see this year. Before we get there, though, let's talk about Bill Bar. It's the new year, so that means New Year's resolutions. If yours is about getting fit or eating healthier, make sure you include Built Bar in your plan. Built Bar is the protein bar that tastes like a candy bar, maybe even better than a candy bar. Built Bar makes it easier to stick to your resolution because it tastes so good you'll want to eat it, unlike other protein bars, which can be chalky or waxy or taste like a chemical spill. You want to eat healthy, but it just gets so boring. By now, you might be thinking, this is just not worth it. Where's the chocolate? But Built Bars are covered in 100% real chocolate. In fact, here's an idea for the new year. Go to all of your secret treat stashes. At home, in the pantry, at the office, in the car, wherever. Throw out all of the sugary or calorie-filled treats and replace them with Bilt Bars. So when you're craving a snack or treat, you can reach for something that's healthy and tastes incredible. Even if you're not a huge fan of working out, you can at least get something that tastes good and is good for you. That way, when you enjoy a delicious Bilt Bar, you can almost count it as a workout. Go to Built.com, use promo code LOCKED15, and you'll get 15% off your order. That's LOCKED15 for 15% off your order at Built.com. All right, Andy Patton here to introduce our new sponsor for Locked On Zags. That is Homefield Apparel. For those of you who do not know, Homefield is a premium collegiate apparel brand based out of Indianapolis. They offer incredibly comfortable, officially licensed School apparel with vintage college designs. We have been waiting for there to be a Gonzaga release for years. They've teased it. It's finally happening. It is the second week of their eight weeks straight of big new Saturdays. It's going to come out on January 29th. Homefield dug through the archives and history of our school to find unique logos, unique mascots, and moments to make thoughtful designs for your school. Again, Saturday, January 29th, I've seen these designs. There's 14 pieces of pair of apparel. There's t-shirts, there's hoodies, there's crewnecks. 
It is all vintage stuff, all very, very cool throwbacks in Gonzaga's history. Folks, this stuff is really, really cool. You're going to want to get your hands on it. I can promise you that. The hardest part is trying to decide how many different things that you want to buy. It's comfortable. It's fun. The designs are unique. I got to tell you, too, you get 15% off your first purchase from Homefield if you use the code LOCKEDONZAGS at checkout. So if you can't narrow it down, you got to get two. You got to get three at least. I can get you 15% off. Use code LOCKEDONZAGS at checkout at homefieldapparel.com. All right, segment two, still Andy Patton, still locked on Zags. We're pivoting away from talking about LMU and Gonzaga's game on Thursday. We're going to take this question from Mailbag Monday that I missed via email from Aaron. He says, do you think this year's team has the potential to be a better tournament team than last year? Aaron went on and explained a couple of his thoughts on it, including Gonzaga's inside depth, which has improved, their leadership, which he was concerned about last year, and their three-point shooting. So I'm going to talk about each of those three things, and then I'm going to talk about a few other kind of points that I think regarding this year's team and last year's team. I think the inside depth is huge. It is a much, much more deep inside scoring team than last year's. Obviously, Chet Holmgren is the biggest, most notable difference. Drew Timmy was here last year. Drew Timmy's here this year. Drew Timmy is putting up similar numbers this year, at least he has in the WCC tournament or the WCC play. So I don't think there's a massive difference there. He's going to be really good in the NCAA tournament, just like he was really good last year, just like he's been really good this year. But last year, he did not have Chet Holmgren. And while Chet's impact is less on offense, it is monumentally significant on defense. This is the kind of player Gonzaga did not have last year. They did not have a big roaming rim protector. Drew Timmy played almost all of his minutes at the five. Corey Kispert was the team's primary four. Kispert was not a great shot blocker, not a good defensive. He was an okay defensive player, but not really a post defensive player. Drew Timmy has not been a great defensive player throughout his collegiate career. He certainly isn't, wasn't a great rim protector last year. Anton Watson played a lot of other minutes uh, at the four or five rotating. But again, while he's an elite defensive player, he was not a rim protector and he wasn't a good offensive player last year. Not nearly the player that he is this year. They also had Umar Balo, of course. They had Pavel Zakharov, but neither of those guys played very significant minutes. And while Balo has become a rim protector at Arizona, or at least better at it, he wasn't really serving in that role last year. So having Chet playing 25 to 30 minutes per night, being a primary rim protector, uh, the impact he makes on these games is so significant defensively. Even if he only finishes the game with two or three blocks uh, and doesn't have any really signature defensive plays that stand out, you can see the impact. Players are less willing to drive into the lane. They settle for mid-range shots. They settle for outside shots. They attempt to draw contact, and he's very, very good at not fouling. So they miss a lot of lands while trying to draw contact. He alters so many shots. It's a huge, significant difference between this year's team and last year's team. And when you look at teams that you face in the NCAA tournament, obviously they're all good because they're in the NCAA tournament, and so many of them are good because of their ability to get to the rim, because they have guards who are good at penetration, good at, you know, driving and dishing, kicking out for open threes, kind of what Alabama did a lot successfully against Gonzaga. But if you have, and last year we didn't have somebody to really protect the paint. So if our guards got beat on the perimeter, it was much easier for them to convert. Drew Timmy was was trying to avoid fouling more than he was really doing a lot of actual rim protection. So I think that having Chet Holmgren is a monumental 
difference. But I don't want to take away the difference of Anton Watson. Yes, we had Anton Watson last year. We have Anton Watson this year. But it's pretty clear to anybody watching Gonzaga basketball that he is a very different player. Offensively, he's far more aggressive. He hunts his own shot. He puts the ball on the deck. He's willing to take mid-range shots, willing to take three-point shots. Uh, A really, really good finisher around the rim. That was true last year as well, but he wasn't taking a lot of shots around the rim. He's much more aggressive in this regard. Of course, he's still an elite defensive player. He's more of an elite defensive player on the perimeter and in half-court traps than he is as a rim protector. Although if you needed him to be somebody down there, he's at least good enough with his body to get in people's way, use his strength to push people around. He may not get up and block a whole bunch of shots, but he's going to still alter shots if he's needed down there. But when he's playing out on the perimeter on defense, he is a complete weapon out there. I think this team's depth in the front court is a significant difference from last year's team and will help them quite a bit in March. Uh, Getting down to the leadership thing, I don't think that last year's team had a leadership issue. That was kind of what Aaron alluded to in his question. Uh, He mentioned Andrew Nempard this year. Obviously, Andrew Nempard was there last year. He was, uh, you know, a first-year player in a Gonzaga uniform. Same with Jalen Suggs, obviously. Uh, But last year's team had Corey Kispert. They had Joel Eiei. They had a lot of leadership on last year's roster. This year's team, I think, uh, is also well-equipped with leadership. Clearly, Nempard is now a fourth-year collegiate player who is in his second season in a Gonzaga uniform. Uh, He has, as he goes, this team goes. That's been very clear when he has his best games. Gonzaga has their best games. That has been quite consistent. He was awesome against UCLA. He's been great in the first couple games of the WCC. We have seen Gonzaga play extremely well in those games when he has been on his game. When he has struggled, uh, Gonzaga has struggled. So it's a lot of it's going to rely on him. Uh, if he has a really solid NCAA tournament, if he's not turning the ball over, if he's making good passes, if he's hitting his outside shots, uh, that really, really kind of turns this Gonzaga team onto another level. And that's what we've seen in the WCC so far. Uh, Rasir Bolton is a very good leader as well. Uh, more of a lead by example guy from what I have seen and kind of heard about him. Uh, but obviously a very experienced player who's in his fourth collegiate season as well. And then you have Drew Timmy. And I've talked about Drew Timmy's leadership a handful of times on this show already, uh, but it really stood out to me against the Santa Clara game, excuse me, when Hunter Salas uh, didn't get a pass on the offensive end when he was wide open. I think Nembhard missed him. Uh, He was a little frustrated running down the court because it was a turnover, and then he committed a dumb foul on an easy lay-in for an and-one. And it was just a a freshman mistake. You know, it wasn't a big deal or anything. It was kind of one of those things. But you saw Drew Timmy kind of grab him and pull him aside and talk to him, and you could tell by body language, that he wasn't yelling at him. He wasn't mad at him. He wasn't making him feel bad. He was just kind of educating him, just coaching him in a a way that you would expect a player to do. You know, I I don't know exactly what he said. I couldn't read lips. Um, But it's the kind of thing that you want your veteran players to do. You want them to pull the young guys aside, say, hey, we don't do that. Like, that was a mistake. Um, You know, keep your chin up, whatever it may be. Uh, And I think that Drew has really exhibited that. I think Andrew exhibits that in in a strong way as well. Two really good leaders for this program. Uh, Obviously, Anton Watson seems like more a a bit of a quieter guy, but also has been in the program for a couple of years. Uh, And and the way that he has changed his game and transformed his game this year, he can be a really strong leader as well. So I'm not worried about leadership on this team. I think they're going to be fine. Uh, Usually when I've filled out my brackets in the past, uh, excluding Gonzaga because I always pick them, But when I'm looking at two teams that I think are pretty close, 
I look a lot at experienced guard play. That that to me has always been something that is kind of a tiebreaker, and Gonzaga is going to have that with Nembhard, with Rasir Bolton. Even Hickman and Salas are are young freshmen. Obviously, they're not experienced in that regard, but they play with a lot of poise. Uh, you don't see a lot of freshman mistakes. Salas makes a few occasionally, but Hickman, especially as a primary ball handler, is extremely good at staying poised and, and not making mistakes, and that's something that is going to help this team a lot uh, in March to have another primary ball handler who is careful with the basketball. A three-point shooting is obviously a huge one, a significant factor for this team. Uh, Last year's team was better as a three-point shooting team. They were more consistent. Uh, Corey Kispert was a monster as a three-point shooter. Joel Eiai was a solid, not great, but solid three-point shooter. Uh, Obviously, Jalen Suggs was a decent three-point shooter as well. And Aaron Cook could do it as well. This year's team has been less consistent, but when they're on, they're they're better than last year's team. Certainly, we've seen in the, in the WCC play so far, they've been one of the best three-point shooting teams in the country. Andrew Nempart has stepped up significantly. Julian Strother is a streaky three-point shooter who has been very good as of late. Rasir Bolton has shot consistently well over 40% all year. He has been a very impressive outside shooter this year coming into the year as a guy who only shot over 35% once in his collegiate career. And then, of course, you have Chet Holmgren, who's a monster as a three-point shooter. He started the year out really good in his transition threes, but struggled in the half-court offense. That has started to improve. He has started to knock down his half-court threes. That progression for him is really, really important if he can continue to knock down those shots. Last year, we saw Corey Kispert get a little gassed. He struggled to shoot in the NCAA tournament. This year's team, if we run into that where we have a couple guys struggling to shoot, I could see it being an issue. But because we spread out our three-point shooting among multiple different players, hopefully that means that Gonzaga doesn't have any issues when that comes around in March. And then the last thing I want to talk about is just the depth of this team and the stronger bench play. Last year they had Anton Watson coming off the bench, and they had Aaron Cook coming off the bench. Both good players, don't get me wrong, but Watson wasn't the player that he is this year. We already kind of touched on that. Aaron Cook was good, but he was more of an energizer bunny, kind of more of your like, you know, he 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 steadied the offense and he played a, he played a good role. But this year, I think you have Nolan Hickman playing a similar role and doing it just as well as Aaron Cook did. Anton Watson is just a beefed up, better offensive and defensive version of himself from last year. And then you have Hunter Salas, who last year the the Hunter Salas was either Strother or Harris last year. And they played, you know, I think Strother played five or six minutes per game and barely played in the NCAA tournament. Harris, similar. Salas is going to play more than that. He's going to have a bigger role come March than he has earlier in the season and then those guys had in March last year. And that gives Gonzaga more opportunities to rest some of their starters. It gives the other team a different look. Salas is a lengthy weapon on defense in ways that Aaron Cook was not last year in ways that none of Gonzaga's guards really were, except Jalen Suggs, were really that lethal defensively. And so Salas coming in gives them a different look. Hickman gives it a little bit of a different look. Anton Watson obviously is is better on both sides of the basketball, so he gives a different look than team saw last year. I would like to see Gonzaga not ride some of their starters as much as they did last year. This has been a common criticism of Mark Few is that he rode Corey Kispert too much last year when they had Julian Strother who could have played more minutes. And then Kispert looked fatigued and gassed in the NCAA tournament and it impacted his ability to perform and arguably impacted Gonzaga's ability to win in their final game of the season. Uh, If there is an opportunity to give Nolan Hickman more minutes, uh, to give Hunter Salas more minutes, to potentially rest some of those guys so they're only playing 28, 25 minutes per game, uh, potentially that helps them be 
a little bit fresher in March. It's not a guarantee, certainly. It doesn't necessarily mean things are going to work out 100%, but I think it's a nice opportunity for Gonzaga to, to rely on their depth in the regular season and potentially in the NCAA tournament to help them be more ready to play those really good teams on you know two days and two games in three days like you do in March. All right, third segment, we're going to look at the rest of the WCC games on the docket this week, make some predictions for how those games are going to go. Before we get there, though, let's talk about Bet Online. Bet Online would like to wish you all a happy new betting year as we continue our march to the playoffs and beyond. Even in 2022, Bet Online remains the number one spot for all of the best sports wagering action. In fact, with a new year comes a new updated desktop and mobile website. Sign up today and receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Just use our promo code LOCKED ON to get started. From football, basketball, hockey, boxing, and UFC, right to your favorite Vegas casino games. Don't wait to take advantage of all the amazing offers available for 2022. Bet Online is the fastest and easiest way to wager on all of your favorite sports. All right, segment three, still Andy Patton, still locked on Zags, pivoting over to make predictions for the WCC slate this weekend, Thursday and Saturday games. I want to say last week I made predictions on seven games and I went 7-0, and oh, so we will see if we can keep that momentum heading into this week. The first game on the docket Thursday night, Pacific at Portland. Not exactly the most exciting game that's going down this week in the conference. Uh, I'm probably a little too low on Pacific. They're a team I've seen very little of. They've had some COVID situations that have kind of made it harder to see them in person. Uh, I'm going to say Portland, though. Uh, Portland at the Child Center. Shantae Leggins has this team rolling right now. They've been playing some good basketball. I've already mentioned they're not going to go winless in the WCC. That's already not true, as they have won a game already. I think they can take a second one here against Pacific at home. Next up. Perhaps my favorite game going on this week, St. Mary's at San Francisco at War Memorial. It should be a super fun game. Regional teams playing each other. Crowd's going to be into it. I think the Dons are going to take this one. I think uh, they can't afford to lose many more of these games. You know, They already lost to BYU. They already lost to Gonzaga. They can't keep losing to the top three in the conference. They, if, if they're firmly number four uh, in the WCC heading into March, it's going to make their ability to make the NCAA tournament a lot smaller. So they need to win this game at home with their home crowd. I think they're going to take it. Next up, Pepperdine at San Diego. I think the Toreros are going to take this one. Pepperdine is is not very good. Uh, that's they're just they haven't played well under Coach Romar this year. Uh, we knew that they would struggle without Colby Ross and Kessler Edwards. Kessler Edwards, shout out to him starting. For the Brooklyn Nets, he went from starting at Pepperdine last year to starting on a team that has James Harden and Kyrie Irving and Kevin Durant on the roster. Very impressive for him. He's been giving them some significant minutes. Regardless, Pepperdine's not that team anymore. San Diego at home, I think they're going to take it. And the final game on Thursday, another one I'm super excited about, BYU at Santa Clara. I believe firmly this is BYU's toughest game outside of playing Gonzaga and San Francisco and maybe St. Mary's, although Santa Clara might be even tougher than them, at least for BYU. They're a really hard matchup. They got good outside shooting. 
good interior depth and use of Brankic. Uh, I think Santa Clara is going to win this one. I think Santa Clara at home against BYU, I think they're going to take this one. I've mentioned that I think Santa Clara can be spoilers uh, and can kind of, they're, they're not going to make the NCAA tournament. That would be a really tremendous run from them in order to get into that conversation. Uh, but I think they can play spoiler. And, and it's not necessarily a good thing. We want the four-bid WCC. I don't think that BYU loses an NCAA tournament spot just because they lost to Santa Clara. But it's not going to help them. And I think Santa Clara has a chance to pull this one off. Moving on to Saturday. Saturday's first game, San Diego at LMU. I think this is a rough week for the Lions. I, I Sometimes I pick teams to rebound after getting beat by Gonzaga, but I think San Diego is going to take this one, and LMU is going to lose two on the road, or two at home this week, which is just a bummer of a week for them. But San Diego is good, and LMU, while they should be better, I'm just not sure that they're going to be able to pull this one off. Next up, Santa Clara at San Francisco, another super fun game. I don't think Santa Clara can play spoiler twice, though. I think San Francisco at home at War Memorial is going to take this one. Really nice week for the Dons if they can pull off wins against St. Mary's and Santa Clara. That helps them significantly. Uh, it's a nice it's a nice win in the net ratings. It'll help them boost them up a little bit in Ken Palm. Uh, people won't, outside of the West Coast, probably won't view this week as a particularly notable one for the Dons, but we will know that those are two really nice wins for San Francisco if they can pull them off. Next up, Pepperdine at St. Mary's. I think St. Mary's going to take this one. Uh, Pepperdine, like I said, is not very good. St. Mary's, while they are a bit unpredictable at home against this team, I don't envision it being a huge problem for them. And then the final game, BYU at Pacific. Yeah, sorry for the Tigers. I don't know if I've picked them to win a game yet this year, but I don't think, even at home, that they're going to beat BYU, especially if this is a pissed-off BYU team that just lost to Santa Clara. They're going to come in and blows the doors off of the Pacific Tigers if they get that opportunity to do so. All right, that is going to do it for me today. I cannot wait to chat with you all on Twitter Thursday night during the game. It's going to be a late one. Plenty of coffee to get through that one. Uh, we'll have post-game reactions, of course, as we always do, right here on the Locked on Zags podcast, available wherever you get your podcasts and available on YouTube. Hit that subscribe button if you have not already. Finally, thank you again to those of you who make this podcast your first listen of the day. Now is a great time to make your second listen of the day, the Locked On Bets podcast. Locked On Bets is your daily one-stop shop for all of your sports gambling needs. Locked On Bets is hosted by your boy Q with expert analysis and insight from Lee Sterling. All right, thank you all for listening and go Zags.